We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. KC Laboratory. Sponsored by Emprise Bank. It's the KC Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank. Emprise debit cards are contactless, secure, and faster than ever. So fast, they're giving the cheetah a run for his money. Emprise Bank member FDIC. So appreciative of all they've done for KC Sports Network. You know what else I'm appreciative of? I'm appreciative of my dear pals. I haven't got to talk to them in a little while, and I'm excited to do it. First, find them on Twitter at Chief in Carolina, Maddie Lane. What's good? Listen, you don't got to ask me what's good. What is good with you, Kent? We are excited <laughs> to have you back. As fun as this show is with Craig and I, and believe me, it's a lot of fun just having Craig and I on here. It's good to have you back. So how are you doing, pal? You know what, man? I can't be better. I got a, We got a baby uh, in the mix here, a, a second kid, a uh, second healthy, happy baby boy, mom and baby doing great. And so I got I got a little bit of time. Thank you all for, <laughs> for taking things and running with it. So I didn't have to do all that much this week, but uh, man, yeah, life's good. I just good. missed the hair. I mean, <laughs> I, I just really missed staring at your hair. And all these people mm. do put in the comments how much you miss Kent's hair. He loves it when you talk about his hair. Absolutely yeah. loves it. So uh, yeah. put in the comments, congratulate him first, and then talk about how much you love the hair. Well, and I'm glad that we threw it back to Kent because I think those watching on YouTube might be confused on who this third person is here with us. Because if you're not watching on YouTube, you are unaware of Kent's new second child dad look. Like he has definitely turned into over a new leaf now. He's got the second child dad look going on. So you got to make sure you check it out. Some would say I have a baby face. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we had some big news today on the Kansas City Chiefs front. See you later, Kent. Get go. <laughs> hey, look, that's the sleep deprivation talking. I'll catch you later. <laughs> Maddie, you're doing great. Go ahead. I'm, I'm yeah, good. Right, over here. We did have some big news on the Kansas City Chiefs front. You know, I wasn't just making something up like I normally would do to follow one of Kent's punts. The Chiefs <laughs> have brought back Alex Okafor the day after Melvin Ingram signed with the Pittsburgh Steelers. No idea if the two were that related or not. It seems like it'd be odd timing if they weren't. But the Chiefs have gone out. They have brought back Alex Okafor. I don't think we've seen the contract details as of this moment. Correct? Yep. Correct. Still right. So essentially, they're just bringing back a familiar face. And I think this makes a ton of sense for the Chiefs that have quite a bit of uncertainty at the defensive end position. So Alex Okafor's back. He knows the system. I mean, good move, Craig. Bad move. 
I mean, I, it wouldn't, we're talking about a depth move here, which is what every move in July is. You're not getting, typically, unless you got a guy coming off of injury, a starter-level player. Although Alex Okafor flirted with some starter-level play in his time in Kansas City. He rotated with Tano Passino over the you know last year, kind of getting some of those reps. But yeah, this is going to be a good move. It's a one-year deal. I'm guessing it's pretty low money based on the Melvin Ingram deal, which was $4 million with incentives. So I would guess that this is probably going to be a little less than that if I had to guess. It's a great move. The Chiefs needed another three-down defensive end. We'll get into the rotation here in a little bit, but they really kind of lacked that true position, a guy that can step in on all three downs rather than being just a specialist. He was able to do that last year. Alex Okafor, fourth on the team in pressure rate last year as a defensive end along the entire defensive line behind Taco Charlton and his dime reps, and then Frank Clark and Chris Jones. So bring it back a guy that knows the system, is already part of your rotation, and was at least somewhat productive in his snaps rushing the rushing the passer for a one-year deal in July. I, it's hard to get angry about a move like that. Eight sacks in 21 games. Uh, as a Kansas City Chief, I believe, for Alex Okafor the last two years. Uh, here's the thing that I think is kind of interesting. When I was doing my Chiefs, you know, 53-man roster projection early in the offseason, looking at, you know, looking at the the position groups, and the Chiefs really have five defensive tackles that have a strong take case for making this football team, including Chris Jones. So, you know, Chris Jones, maybe he's your little hybrid type player. You're kind of you're, you know, can play in, can play along the interior. There's your, you know, kind of four and a half-ish. Well, they really didn't have a ton of defensive ends that were worth writing home about. Damone Harris and Tim Ward weren't really being pushed too hard, but one of those guys was very in, very much in the mix. Uh, and dare I say, one of them was a lock to make this football team because I would have been stunned to see the Chiefs go into the you know regular season with four and a half defensive ends the way that Steve Spagnuolo deploys those guys. So Tim Ward and Damone Harris were very strongly in the mix and likely one of them making this football team. Now... Damone Harris, Tim Ward, probably not making the football team uh, because the, the, you've got an additional experienced edge player. So now you're rolling with five. You've got a half in Chris Jones, like a half an edge, half interior defensive lineman in Chris Jones. Colin Saunders probably making this football team too, is my guess. Uh, so there's your there's your 10. There's your likely 10 you know, defensive linemen there. Um, so, you know, it's, it's nice to see a, a guy like, you know, uh, like Alex Okafor back into the mix. I'm, you know, I'm guessing it's gotta, it's gotta be, you know, it's gotta be a vet minimum type deal, maybe a little bit more incentives. But I think when you look at the totality of this roster, this is just such an easy slide into the depth along this team, Maddie. Yeah. And he makes a ton of sense. I think there's, we don't know how Frank Clark's offseason issues are going to affect him throughout the whole season. We don't know what Chris Jones ultimate, outlook is going to look like a defensive end so at some point the Chiefs might need a guy they can rely on just to eat up snaps the Tano Passanio role last year I don't think he was particularly good for the Chiefs last year he was very up and down but you know what he did do he played a ton of snaps for this team he was eating up snaps left and right and he was never just a major liability I don't think he was making a big impact but he wasn't a liability the Chiefs need somebody to kind of replace that role they need someone that can go out there and play snaps on first down on second down and on third down Alex Ogaford gives you that, and he gives you that from the beginning because he knows the system. He's going to come in. He's going to challenge the depth of this team. Some of these young guys are going to have to be better than him to come take over. 
I don't think the Chiefs are looking for their other starting defensive end across from, you know, Frank Clark with not the goal, but they have a guy that is capable of sliding in and taking over that role for this team if need be because of other circumstances. Like I like the move from that perspective. At the same time, I look around this roster and I really don't see a lot of guys at defensive end, especially that are willing to are able to take over games. And I don't think this Alex Okafor move does anything in that regard. Oh, I'd agree with that. Uh, Alex Okafor, by the end of the year, was getting more reps as kind of a dime guy. Uh, early on in the year, he was getting some run opposite of Frank Clark, spelling Tano Pass, you know, a little bit. And then he started kind of running in that second line when Steve Spagnuolo replaced both his defensive ends. And he was running with Mike Dana, opposite of Mike Dana. So I foresee that maybe that's going to be his role, backing up the, that position, running with Dana, and then getting a lot of those dime reps. I, I think he's going to push taco charlton a little bit i think he's going to push maybe a josh kando a little bit for those roles like there's an open competition now for that defensive end position opposite of frank clark because i think we think chris jones is kicking inside in the dime and i think we expect a guy like jaron reed maybe a turk wharton if you know reed needs a little bit of spell can play next to chris jones they need somebody at that other spot taco had some production last year good pressure rate out of him but Alex Okafor, not bad in that role either. So I do think that that rotational position does matter. But yeah, like we're saying all along here, that three down guy. If one of those top two guys goes down, you know that you can count on him to be there. Mike Dana, guy that we love on early downs. Don't get us wrong. We love him on early downs. But rushing the passer, he just doesn't have that same burst, bend, you know, athletic profile to get after the quarterback. And then you've also got a guy like Josh Kando, who we like the profile. We like what the future holds for him. But there's a lot of growth that's still needed. He needs to come along in his game. This, um, this allows you to not force him into positions, force him into those roles. He can learn and grow. And then by the end of the year, maybe we can talk about that a little bit because Alex Okafor can't struggles to stay healthy a little bit and i think that that's that, that's part of the reason why he's probably coming on a lower price tag here well like i said 21 games in two seasons in kansas city uh he's had some production he's had some statistical production here in kansas city mm -hmm. but 21 games i mean that's yeah. really the extent of it and you know that's not a particularly encouraging sign this is and i just look at the totality of this defensive end group and there's so many holes in so many different guys games that's what's so fascinating to me is i mean alex okafor health um but i do i want to ask you i i want to ask you something real quick matt and then I'll, i'm gonna jump back in but i'm gonna say this sentence alex okafor is the blank best run defender among the edge group Ooh, Ooh this this is a this is a question so i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and put frank clark as number one here I'm going to put Mike Dana as number two just because I've That's seen it and I really him. do like him versus the run. Mm -hmm. I think it ends up coming down to Alex Ogafor versus Chris Jones to be your third best defensive end versus the run. And while I would like to say Chris Jones, I think he has the physical skill set, you know, the body, the ability to be from the very, very limited we've seen Chris Jones play defensive end. I don't think he's very sound versus the run at the defensive end position. So I'll give Okafor like the slightest of slight edges just based on seeing him do it well already. So I was having that conversation almost identically in my head and trying to just think about, 
you know, the fit for Alex Okafor, the why. And you look at, I think, I mean, I think Alex Okafor has a little bit of both. Like, I think he has some chops as, I mean, you kind of said the most, the closest thing to a three down guy that, you know, and, and getting a guy that can play all three downs at this time of year is a nice addition because there is a lot of question marks, a lot of holes in this game uh, or in this, in this group, because I think Taco Charlton pass rusher, Mike Dana, early down defensive end, Josh Kendo, <laughs> Uber athletic wild card. Uh, <laughs> wild you know, card. so I know, well, you know, you don't, you know what you're going to get. No, you're right. <laughs> so, you know, any one piece of that thing falls apart and you're going to need someone to step in. And I think Alex Okafor can fit, in a few different spots admirably maybe not i mean i don't think this is a guy that's moving the needle but having that depth and having that versatility like you kind of talked about the three down ability is a very crucial piece of this because this is this this group has it's just more like a some of the parts kind of situation we've talked about that before along the defensive end outside of frank Clark, it's a lot of some of the parts i think right yeah it really is and he knows the system like there, there's something to be said here. Melvin Ingram comes in here. He's going to have to adapt. He's going to have to learn. And you've already got some guys that you're going to have to adapt and learn. I know a lot of Chiefs fans really liked Melvin Ingram. This just gives you that steady presence. Josh Kando can come along a little bit. Mike Dana can refine his game a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it just gives you a little more leash with some of these guys. I, I just, I really like the move. As a depth move, again, I want to clarify, as a depth move here, it just makes too much sense. I We're going to break down Alex Okafor's snaps uh, in a film room If as you're listening to this tonight, Wednesday, the 21st. If you are on the KCSN Discord, which you get by being a subscriber to the KCSN Substack, so go to kcsn.substack.com, join the Discord, you can get in. We're going to review Alex Okafor's snaps from last year. We're going to get into it and explain a lot of the why at a deeper level than we're doing here today. So if you're interested in that, sign up and be available for that. Matty, what else you got on Alex Okafor, buddy? You know, I think you kind of stole the show here with, you know, your excellent plug and taking over everything. No, I I just wanted to come back here with this is I do think Alex Okafor fits the role of a lot of different parts of this team. He can play in so many different positions, still within defensive end, but just so many different roles among the defensive end positions. So I get the signing from that perspective. I would go as far to say that I think Alex Okafor can fill a many more hats than Melvin Ingram could have for this yes, team. Yes. I don't think Melvin Ingram could come in and play your base defensive end the way the Chiefs play their base defensive ends. That's not how he's ever played the run. Not that he's not a good run defender, but you don't see Melvin Ingram holding tackles at arm length with his 31-inch arms and then ripping through and shedding them while holding contain. Like That's not how he defends the run. He wasn't asked to. Alex Okafor can defend the run that way. So I do think this is a better fit. I get the appeal and the upside for Melvin Ingram, but I just think Alex Okafor has shown just as much health and juice in anything Melvin Ingram has these last two years. I think people have kind of fallen in love with the Melvin Ingram that has tormented the Chiefs over the past decade. He's just not that player anymore. So I think this signing was as good as it can be for the Chiefs in July. And we're also talking about a guy in July. Of course, he's going to be a depth signing. There's not really a lot of guys out there right now that are going to step in and start. When you look... Yeah, I do want to say real quick, the run defense that we talk about, the it just kind of popped into my head here, run defense that we're talking about a little bit, 
largely comes from his time in New Orleans. I have not been a fan of the way that he's really played the run with Steve Spagnuolo. I think that he's struggled to set the edge. I think that teams have been able to run at him fairly regularly. So that's another reason why he's available here in July. Not to say he can't. We've seen him do it before. We just haven't seen it in Kansas City as regularly as we'd like. That's That might have been the bigger disappointment than his lack of health has been. That oh, he yeah. just hadn't returned to the level that he was at New Orleans in, what, 2018 playing the run where mm-hmm. he was incredible mm-hmm. versus it. And again, Steve Spagnuolo likes his defensive ends to play a very pivotal role and all the time, but especially against the run, they are at, they are a lot of pressures put on them. So maybe that's been part of the issue. But looking at the Chiefs' splits on runs that have been wide left versus wide right, it has been crazy worse when they are running to the right. And a lot of times that's been Tano Pasno and Alex Okafor out there, and there's a significant difference. One other thing, just thinking out loud while we're, we're talking through the, the Alex Okafor situation, the Chiefs adjusted Alex Okafor's contract and let him out early. Mm-hmm. And Alex Okafor is crawling back to the Chiefs in July of 2021. That that doesn't scream are, the strongest market. Are we, are we sure that he's crawling? <laughs> are we sure that the Chiefs didn't crawl to him after after Melvin Ingram? I, I mean, I'm just... I just I, I just find yeah. it interesting that they voided his contract and and adjusted it so that he got he was out after he was out early of his deal with the Chiefs and then winds up coming back in July. Maybe the Chiefs went and crawling to him, but I just find that extremely fascinating because well, I, mean, I think they clearly told you that they only want him on their terms twice. They yeah, did that back to back years because they signed him in July for probably nothing. And this is why I think it's more Alex Okafor crawling back to the Chiefs. It's because I look at it and I go, okay, they have basically kind of freed themselves of him as best they could in the last 12 calendar months. And now he's back with the team. I just find that I just, I just think that's, I think that's interesting. It's a July signing is what it is. Yeah. yeah. It's a July uh, signing with a good shot at playing in another Super Bowl. So yeah. We're, we're situations for him to be in. We're, we're, you know, trying to get a, trying to get another, you know, decent deal at a place you're familiar with. Um, you know, you hope, I mean, the, the chiefs are hoping that they can get the most out of Alex Okafor and Alex Okafor is he hoping he can go thrive in a place he's familiar with. That's really, I mean, that's really the, you know, that's the root of it. I, I think that sums up the big Alex Okafor signing the best we can, unless you guys have anything else. No, uh, we got, I got two very important questions before we move off of Alex Okafor. Yes. First, he has played 38% and 26% of the defensive snaps for the Chiefs in his two years here. What is that number by the end of this season? What percentage say, of his snaps does he play this year? I'm going to say it's going to be close to 30. I think it'll be close to 30%. I think he's going to start, play heavy in the dime, and he's going to be a rotational piece. But I do think that he gets lapped by the end of the year. I think as Kando comes along, he starts take, eating into those snaps a little bit. I like that. Sweep it. Okay. Now, I I found it interesting that he played 11 games last year, which was technically more than the year before. 11 to 10, not a big deal. But he played almost 50 less snaps. So it seems like they were kind of phasing him out a little Mm -hmm. bit more last year. But they also lost some guys to eat into snaps. But besides the point, the most important question, what number is Alex Ogafor going to wear for the Kansas City Chiefs? Because 57 is taken. 97 is taken unless Malik Herring is going to give up 97, which there's no lock that Malik Herring makes the roster. So like you could probably get that one, but you know, just what numbers he going to show up wearing? <laughs> Do you know it's open? 58. 
it's not open. That that number's not open. Nobody's wearing that number. Here's no, the I thing. Think... He might be 58 for camp because oh. there's only one number in the 50s and 90s that he can wear. And it's 58. Can they put Malik Herring on the pup list now and free that number <laughs> up for him? I think we all think that Malik Herring is going to get that red shirt. So That's probably what it's going to be. Let's just go ahead and do that and have Lee carrying healthy for camp next year. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, that, that, that needs to be the move because <laughs> that would just be hilarious. I'm sorry. Well, that would be funny. In, in the NFL, can't you have a player for camp on offense and defense wearing the same number? So I think you can. You're right. 57 for camp. I just feel like that would be the most logical yeah. way right now. But I, I just thought it was funny when I went and looked. I was like, wait, all of his numbers are taken. So where's this going to go right now? You know what number he won't be wearing? He won't be wearing 87. Uh, that is held by a tight end for your Kansas City Chiefs. And we're going to preview the tight end position right now. And I think there's no better place to start than Maddie Lane talking about Travis Kelsey. <laughs> Why is that, Kent? I'm just going to go because Matt can I know. probably talk for about half an hour on everything Travis Kelsey. I'm going to go get my new kid a bottle. I'm going to feed him. I'll come back and maybe Maddie will be done. Listen, I think that anybody that listens to the show is not going to be surprised that I or anybody here think that Travis Kelsey's the best tight end in the NFL. Probably mm -hmm. one of the best, maybe one, the best of all time. You know, that's a different conversation for a different day. But Travis Kelsey is coming off of one of his best seasons ever for the Kansas City Chiefs. There's no reason to think he's going to slow down. Like, I don't know if there's really a reason to be, keep beating this kind of dead horse into the ground. Travis Kelsey's a really good football player. He's arguably the best route runner at any position in all of the NFL. If he's not number one, he's definitely in the top five, and he plays tight end. You see that by the way he routes up cornerbacks, safeties, guys bigger than him, smaller than him. There's not really a weakness to his game as a receiver. I think with Patrick Mahomes, the one big question I kind of had him with the receiver was in the red zone. With Mahomes, you've seen a big uptick in his ability as a red zone target. He's done everything. And this past year, he spent a lot more time blocking because the offensive line was kind of in shambles. And I get it. He's not Rob Gronkowski in his heyday as a blocker, but he's definitely far above average at it. So like, where's the weakness in Travis Kelsey's game? If he didn't play in the middle of the country, people would be a lot bigger to ride, you know, the Travis Kelsey bandwagon in the national media. Uh, okay. Travis Kelsey is the best tight end that's playing right now. I don't want to hear any arguments about Darren Waller, George Kittle, Rob Gronkowski, anybody. It, you just go away. Come he is it. the best tight end in the NFL, and he will hold every tight end record by the time this is all said and done because he is moving at a clip that's getting better and better and better. Travis Kelsey set the record for tight end yardage last year. Travis Kelsey had the highest yards per reception and the second highest yards per target going back to his sophomore season in the nfl travis kelsey still has years in front of him he is aging like a fine wine this is not something where he's he's you know relying on a supreme athletic ability to do all this he's just getting better he's just getting more technique technical he's just getting to be a better tight end he is going to be the greatest of all time. I am saying that right now. I have nothing more to add on Travis Kelsey. I it's um he I was gonna say he's aging like extremely well. And you know, George Kittle can't stay healthy. 
Travis Kelsey stayed pretty healthy. If you, if, if you kind of noticed that um, it's, he's been able to you know play at a high level and his game is aging wonderfully because he is one of the best route runners in the national football league at any position. It doesn't matter. He is just a, a dominant route runner. He's got such good rapport with Patrick Mahomes. Those two are tailor made for each other. And you kind of see some of the just organic adjustments that they're making on the fly that have absolutely nothing to do with the route concept at times, and they're just on the same page. Now, very obviously, we know who tight end, tight end one is. Tight end two is a different question, and there are some new faces in the mix. One in particular, that reminds me, guys. What? Smack. What's going on, Ken? Smackadoodles time. Hey, speaking of coming, speaking of Kansas City and new things coming to Kansas City, we're talking about something that's versatile. Something that's good with people, good impressors for certain, and something that is brand new to Kansas City. All three of those things need to be said about Macadoodles. We're missing one of them right now. Get them to Kansas City just like Noah Gray has moved here to Kansas City. A versatile kind of H-back, tight end, sniffer. We're going. It remains to be seen where he's going to be used, but he's going to be used a lot on the move. A very dynamic weapon. A very, you know, very uh, smooth route runner, athletic person. Like, it, it, all of the positive things that you can say about early career Travis Kelsey, you can say about Noah Gray. And I am very very excited to have him in Kansas City, just like I would be if McAdoodles was also in Kansas City. Now, Craig, if I had to ask you for one product recommendation from McAdoodles that was a mm. that was smooth and very versatile, what would it be? Mm. Oh, I, believe it or not, this this isn't just an ad. McAdoodles vodka is incredibly smooth, believe it or not, and. It is very versatile. I've been mixing it with all kinds of stuff lately and enjoying it from our trip down there to Macadoodles. That was awesome. It was a blast. I'm working my way through this bottle of vodka. It is quite, quite, quite good. Highly recommend. Well, so you know what? I highly recommend your take on Noah Gray. Uh, <laughs> I, I too. I think there's a lot. I think there's a lot of layers to the Noah Gray edition. I don't know if he's going to be the true tight end too. I think he is a guy that has a lot of the, I don't want to say redundancy with Travis Kelsey, but I think there's some things that he is able to do that no other tight end on the roster can do. Like a Blake Bell is not going to isolate on the backside of a formation and play that Y-ISO look where the Chiefs love to isolate a big-bodied tight end, force mismatches, get good, strong zone man ID coverage looks out, out, of the, out of the tight end isolating on the backside. Noah Gray can present some of those things. I think he's a guy that, insulates you for some of the things that's that you know um, that Andy Reid wants to do offensively uh but I also I don't want to completely dismiss his role in this football team too I think he's a fine blocker I think he will develop fine enough in the blocking game I think there will be a plan to develop him um and his skill sets but I do think that there's a lot more receiver traits than there is necessarily an inline guy not to diminish the blocking skills of Travis Kelsey or Noah Gray, but that's not what they're hanging their hat on. And that's not what you want to use them for primarily because both of those guys have real offensive weapon capabilities, Maddie. Well, and this is something that we've talked about for a couple of years now. 
Andy Reid's got a very innovative offense. He's always changing, you know, changing the game, trying to do new stuff. But the one thing that he's been missing is he's been kind of late to jump on, late for his standards to jump on the H-back role for a fullback. You know, he still likes his old school fullbacks. We've been saying it for years, and I think probably a lot of people out there have. Where is Andy Reid going to get into the H-backs that the colleges use that some of the more modern, you know, young NFL coaches like you get from the Rams and teams like that? So this might be it. Noah Gray is picture perfect for that role. He's not going to be a true fullback. I don't even think he's got the size. Like the, He's not built like a true tight end either. He's kind of in that tweener mold, but that makes him perfect for this H-back role. You keep him off the line of scrimmage. He's only blocking guys on the move in which, like Ken said, he's not great at it but he's more than willing to work as a blocker. You want to have him try to square up a linebacker or a defensive back in space. He's pretty good at it. You can move him around, get him blocking in space, and he's really good. But his real threat comes as just being a weapon, getting vertical from out of the backfield, working across behind the line of scrimmage, then getting out into a route. Noah Gray could really help Andy Reid's offense kind of take that next step. It's been two years now since we've probably seen a huge transition from what Andy Reid's staples of his scheme are going to be the rest of the NFL is kind of catching up to it. This could be another one of those wrinkles, that next step that really throws teams off. And I do think there's a very particular reason this team traded up for Noah Gray. And I do think there is a plan out there. Now, see, Maddie says that there hasn't been a real innovation. Matthew, did you watch that Buffalo Bills game last year where Travis Kelsey was utilized in the very way that we would love for Noah Gray to be utilized in this Craig. offense? I wrote like 3,000 words on it, and then they never did it again <laughs> all season Ever. long. Ever. It was frustrating because it was so effective. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire's best game as a chief. I would expect that they're going to use Noah Gray in a very similar fashion. We got a glimpse. I think Andy kind of fell in love with that a little bit, but knowing that he doesn't want to use Travis Kelsey in that specific role, especially as often as the Chiefs were missing their true X receiver and having to use Travis Kelsey in that role, or like Maddie said, helping to block off the edge against, you know, the offensive lineman that, you know, they had to protect a little bit last year. So Noah Gray gives you the ability to be in some of those looks while still using Travis Kelsey split out wide ISOed. You can use him more like an X receiver and still have the dynamic nature in the backfield of that move player, that sniffer that can kind of be on the move again. Like these guys are saying, you don't want him, you know, hand in the dirt, having to block a defensive end on his own. It's just not going to go great for him, but the chiefs do have another guy that they brought in this year that that could work for and a guy that's been with the Chiefs before in Blake Bell, right, Kent? Yeah, they added another – they brought a guy back that they've had in the building that was a part of that Super Bowl winning team, did a very good job as that kind of in-line, dirty work blocker. Uh, he really didn't see a ton of opportunities catching the football, although he did have a playoff touchdown catch uh, okay. infamously uh, with a beautiful celebration, you know, erupting around him. Uh, but you know, Blake Bell, you know, the bell dozer, a local kid or localish kid. Do we count Wichita as local, Craig? Yeah, we count Wichita as local. I'm local, right? Yeah, totally. We can just very easily <laughs> hang out all the time. Uh, <laughs> over Zoom, but you know, no, look, I think Blake Bell's he, he does a lot of the little things right for this football he team, does. and having that familiarity is a critical piece of you know, what Andy Reid wants. He likes to be able to trust players. And, and I think Blake Bell as an inline tight end is a very set it, forget it type player for him. Uh, and 
it gives them some insulation, some protection um, from, you know, like a Noah Gray developing. And again, we're not, we're not really sure he's going to be utilized quite as much as the inline tight end, but I mean, the chiefs love to use both of their, their tight ends off the line of scrimmage one and one off the tackle. Um, they'll get into some real condensed type formations. Blake Bell can do all that stuff still. Um, that could free up Noah Gray and get things a little bit more creative. Uh, if he develops a little bit more nicely and some of those packages can be a little bit more robust, but um, I do think that, you know, Blake Bill's a safe addition. He's a, a cost effective addition and he's the best inline tight end that we've had in recent memory. I, I think he's better than Nick Kaiser was Maddie. For sure. And I think when you look, when you compare him to Nick Kaiser, I think it's a great one because Nick Kaiser was a, a decent blocker. I think he actually fell short a little bit of a lot of people's, especially mine expectations. I think he flashed the ability to be a really good blocker. I don't think that he ever was able to replicate what Blake Bell did in that same role the year before. I do think Bell was a better inline blocker. I think Kaiser moves better in space. So maybe that's where the gaps made up a little bit, but either way, you're getting a blocking tight end. You're getting a guy that's going to be sad in there on the end of the line of scrimmage. He can handle taking on a defensive end. He can take on a linebacker that's trying to blow him up in a gap. He's got a very specific role. You're not going to expand him too far out of that role. And you're going to look to throw him eight to 10 passes a year, most likely off play action, or when you're panicking, just trying to find somebody because he just doesn't really offer you much as a receiver. And that's okay. That's not going to be what he's asked to do. He's essentially going to be a fullback that just lines up on the line of scrimmage instead of in the backfield. You just kind of have to flip your brain to think of him as Anthony Sherman lined up in a different spot because that's essentially what his role is going to be. Yeah, and it just makes sense. If the Chiefs are really going to run a little more 12 personnel with the wide receiver depth that they have, it makes sense to put Blake Bell on the line and know that you're going to allow Travis Kelsey to run every single route that you want him to run. Obviously, Kelsey's going to stay and he's going to block every once in a while, but you want him to be the guy that's on a lot of these leak concepts, that's able to get out and run a lot more be in open field and know that Blake Bell can stay maybe off of Rimmer's side, you know, help chip some stuff on blitzes and things like that. We are going to see a lot more help from Blake Bell than we are of any of the other tight ends. And I think that the, the Blake Bell people that don't like him, basically, it all comes from the passing game. Well, if you've got Noah Gray and you've got Travis Kelsey, those are going to be your primary tight end pass catcher. So it does help insulate it a little bit. Blake Bell is the perfect tight end three. And I think that that tells you a lot about the rest of the, you know, the rest of the tight end room that they have, that they went out, they got Blake Bell again, a familiar name and a guy that they really trust to come in there and do that. I think that those are your three that are making the roster. And I think that it's fairly secure in those three, even though I do like Nick Kaiser a little bit, I think it's going to be those three. Can I play devil's advocate? Yes. To so. something Craig said. So here would be my, my just the devil's advocate. If you put Blake Bell out there or you put Noah Gray out there, are you not entirely tipping what you're about to do on that play? Because oh, sure. there is almost no chance that you are going to have the same route tree for those two guys or the same run blocking assignments. How willing are the Chiefs going to be to have guys with such differing skill sets? How are they going to combine that into the best utilizing them to continue to create confusion from the defense. You're not going to put, you know, Blake Bell in the backfield, or you're not going to put him as an offset tight end and try to have him run a vertical route. If he's in the game, 
you can cover him with any linebacker and you're going to have him essentially covered up no problem. So it's just, I do feel like you are going to be tipping your hat a little bit. And I don't think Andy Reid likes to do that, even though I do see the usage for both of them. Yeah. Do you know how you help mitigate that a little bit? I know. I, I know. I know how. Yeah. Go three kid. T- three tight ends. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean, this is something that the chiefs have done with lesser talent at the tight end position in the past. Absolutely. Andy true. loves to mix that in a little bit here and there. That's another way to get Noah Gray involved. But the thing is you can treat, you could line Noah Gray, Travis Kelsey and Tyree kill in a bunch. Ooh. And then you like could, that. you could keep Blake bell in line and RPO teams to death out of it or I and mean, there's a lot of looks there's a lot of stuff you could do with with a with a and you can a, you could shift out of that bunch into something that looks like 22 personnel with Blake could, Bell in the backfield too yeah you could, there's yeah. that's a very versatile group because you've got your true you've got your true blocker and so yeah. I wouldn't be stunned you're that's a I mean McCall Hardman seeing some time off the field in that situation um and what well yeah Maybe. I one other thing I'm, I've been just kind of thinking about out loud or just kind of thinking in my head while we've been talking is, you know, and you guys brought it up, but I kind of watching some of the late season games last year too. Maybe Travis Kelsey is more of this team's ex than he's ever been. Maybe they're just wanting to put him out there even more than they've ever put him out there as that X type, as that X type player. And that could be something that what, what do you, what do you, what's that look, Maddie? Well, Okay, so people that are fans of certain wide receivers on this team, you know, close close this down, mute it for a second. The best way to utilize McCole Hardman is to keep him in the slot. And yep. if you want to keep him in the slot, as long with Ty- and Tyree Kill, you're going to be running a lot of Y-ISO with Travis Kelsey isolated by himself. Which they do anyway. On the back yes. side. They already do it a ton. I do think the Chiefs moved to trying to get Hill and Kelsey both in the slot. They're like having them work together at some point in time last year. And I agree with Kent. They kind of had to back off that a little bit. You're, you might get more Travis Kelsey in Y-ISO than ever before. Not that they didn't do it a lot before, but that just might be a package they utilize more and more this season because like Kent said, they need someone to be an X-wide receiver let Kelsey do it as a tight end. Let McCole Hardman, let you know Tyree Kill both operate out of the slot. If you need to find a way to fit in now Noah Gray into this mold, it plays out almost like you only have one tight end who's also a receiving threat. Or Blake Bell, you still only have one tight end who's a minimal receiving threat, but it's only one guy. So I do can see the path to that happening, and I do think that might be a big fix to how you get by kind of tipping out some of these plays. All right, I got one more very important question before we get out of here, and it kind of oh, helps. So do us I. Talk. So you can go first. Yeah, so do I. We all three have an important question. Okay. Well, I'm going to start because I, I'm going to. I don't okay. care. Okay. All right, I'm going to ask Maddie this question. Maddie, who makes this football team? Nick Kaiser or Michael Burton? Michael Burton, pretty easily. Okay. I, I, I think they want a true fullback, and mm-hmm. I think they do want somebody they can put back there. I would love for it to be Blake Bell. I would love to save a roster spot and then just cycle Blake Bell and Noah Gray as your fullback for different reasons, but I don't think Andy Reid's going to do that. I think Burton is making this team. Okay. I think so, Great. too. What's your question? My question, we've seen Travis Kelsey now. He Two years ago. He had 150 targets. Last year, he had 145 targets in 15 games. How many targets without a true X receiver on this team does Travis Kelsey get this season? Kent, you you lead here. I'm going to go, I'm just going to go right. Same steady, 150. Just because he's lining up there doesn't mean he's necessarily getting more targets. 
I just think that this is a way to utilize him, you know, help dictate some stuff for defenses. And I, I don't think know if it's necessarily a target up uptick, but it's usage out there a little bit more. I I'm going to go above. I think he's going to get the most targets. I think he's going to crack 150, push into the 160, 165 range this year. For this, I mean, I think it's pretty simple. The wide receiver talent is a little bit lower right now than it has been these last couple seasons. It's a lot of unknown, and then you don't have Sammy Watkins, who does pull a certain amount of targets away from somebody like Travis Kelsey, since they operate over the same area. I think the team is going to have to rely on Travis Kelsey more than ever over the middle of the field on third downs. I think that, you know, equates to an extra target to two most games. And it's not like he's not worthy of it. The guy mm-hmm. has sat around 68 to 73% catch rate his entire career. That's insane for the amount of targets and the depth of targets he gets as a tight end. I see no reason why you can't pump in an extra target every single game to a guy that's been that successful. At 165 targets at his yards per target last year, that is 1617 for his yardage <laughs> on the year. That's insanity. insanity. That good? I, no, I wouldn't be surprised to see his yards per target, his yards per reception sure. drop a little yeah, bit, yeah, yeah. just because I do think they're going to be missing that second possession guy. I don't think he's mm-hmm. always going to be able to settle into the same depth that he was able to last year because there's not as many guys yeah. occupying, but I still think the targets and the output's going to be great. But I got to get back to you know my final question is here. I think we all kind of have the same three tight ends making this roster between Travis Kelsey. Noah Gray and Blake Bell. What are your percentage guesses for Blake Bell? Their snap percentage guesses for Blake Bell and Noah Gray. Some numbers for reference. Last year, Nick Kaiser got about 27% of the snaps. Deion Yelder was about 17. And actually, Anthony Sherman saw almost a double in his snap percentages from the year before, up to 9%. The year before, Blake Bell played about 37% as the tight end too. And Anthony Sherman dropped down to about only 5% of the snaps. So where do you see those two guys coming in? I'm going to go mm. with, I, I think it's going to be close to 40%. I think we might see 40% of the time that the Chiefs are in a 12 personnel look or Travis Kelsey's getting a breather. I'm going to go, so I'm going to say, I'm going to say Noah Gray gets 27% of the snaps. I'm going to say Blake Bell gets 19.73% of the snaps. Okay. Ooh, Noah so, Gray out snaps Bell? I think it could still happen. Uh, I do. I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. I, and I, it would be awesome. It would. Um, I'm <laughs> fascinated. <don't> confident. <laughs> I'm not overly confident. Um, I'm not, I'm really not, but I'm optimistic because I do, you know, there's, there's some positive feedback about mm. Noah Gray. Mm. Uh, there is positive feedback about Noah Gray. So I think I'm with closer to Kent here. I think you're going to get Noah Gray up in the 25 to 27%. I do think Blake Bell's going to hover right there around 20%, though. He's going to get a lot of reps. My big thought for this, I think Burton's snap count is going to be back to Anthony Sherman's 2019 value. It's dropping back to you know 5%, only being used on third and short goal line situations because I think they're going to split a lot of those fullback reps with Noah Gray. So I think that's kind of where some of his extra snaps over Blake Bell are going to come from. He's going to eat into Burton's just as much as he does Blake Bell's. And we'll see a little bit of 13 personnel there too. Let's say that too. All right. That is going to do it for the KC Laboratory. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back later in the week. Special thanks to Emprise Bank for all they've done to make this KC Sports Network possible. We appreciate you all, and we will catch you later.
Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.